You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 558 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Wednesday evening into Thursday morning on the heels of what became a 130-122 to victory for the Hawks at the hands of the Philadelphia 76ers and a pretty interesting game in a lot of ways here that we will talk about on today's podcast. Not, a too, not too much in the way of news other than the game on this fine Wednesday evening. I would encourage you, as always, to go back and subscribe to the podcast and check out our archives if you missed anything. We had a podcast yesterday about the previous game against San Antonio and plenty, plenty more where that came from in uh, recent days, so please go back and subscribe to the podcast, but before I guess we can sort of transition into the game itself here. Before the game actually started, there was some movement on the uh, point spread side of things, considering the fact that there was a lot of injury uncertainty for this game. Um, ahead of ahead of the game, the assumption was at least widespread um, was that Jimmy Butler was not, was not going to play for Philadelphia, and that kind of can impact things quite a bit because Butler, for all of his faults, is still an All Star caliber player, and on the Hawks side. There were a lot of injuries to monitor. At the end of the day, all of the Hawks guys that were listed as questionable or better ended up playing in this contest. That included Alex Lynn and Torian Prince returning to the starting five, to start to, to the starting five as well as John Collins, Kent Bazemore, uh, Deontay Davis. All those guys ended up playing in this game. So the Hawks actually had close to their normal complement of guys. Vince Carter had the day off to, uh, well, I guess not for this reason, but actually was out for, quote, load management purposes. End quote. Uh, but Vince actually ended up being on the broadcast the entire game as a, as the third member of the booth alongside Bob and Dominique. So that was an interesting thing to see an active player in the middle of the season sort of step out of his uh, uniform into a full suit and uh, do the uh, do, do the broadcast thing. And Vince was actually very good at that. So shouts to him for that. And he actually, I guess, confirmed. I'm not sure if this is news or not, considering the fact that I've kind of assumed this for a long time and a lot of people have around the team. But Vince all, all but confirmed that he wants to play again next year. It's something to keep in mind as well as a subplot here. But aside from that, everybody played. No, no restrictions. And the Hawks played pretty well in this game, as we'll talk about here as we as we get going. So um, starting at the top of this contest, the Hawks defensively uh, started this game with Trey Young and J.J. Redick, um, John Collins on Ben Simmons, Kevin Herter on Jimmy Butler, and Torian Prince on Tobias Harris. And defensively, it wasn't a great night for the Hawks. They, they did enough to win, but there were some weaknesses. I think Herter got beat up a little bit by Butler at times. Uh, Redick got loose for 30 points, and um, you know Harris wasn't great, but Simmons was actually contained for the most part by the Hawks, so that's uh, a credit to the way that, that Atlanta played against him. Um, but for the most part, defense was not the strength of the Hawks in this game, as, as it rarely is. But one of those things where it actually started off uglier in the early going than it actually ended up being at the end. The first three or four possessions of the game was about as bad as you would ever see um, for Atlanta's, Atlanta's defense. It did not go very well. And Alex Lynn, the team's uh, best available center by a wide margin, had two fouls in the first 90 seconds of this game. So kind of a rough start to the Hawks' defensive um, foray in this game. Um, and uh, with that said, though, the rest of the offense, the, the offense was kind of clicking. And that kind of allowed them to have some more wiggle room defensively in this contest. In fact... It was 23 to 21 after, after after about six minutes of play. Both teams were not encountering too much resistance defensively. Atlanta opened nine of 14 from the floor with four threes and no turnovers in the early going, whereas the Sixers were seven of 12 with four offensive rebounds and two threes of their own. The Hawks went with Justin Anderson at the four sometimes in this game. 
including in the, in the first quarter, that was the right decision in my opinion because he's just leaps and bounds better than uh, you know Isaac Humphreys and Deontay Davis. So they went with John Collins. Um, Coming out, when, actually, when Collins came out the first time, they went with Anderson behind him, and then later in the game, they actually ended up playing Collins and Anderson together, which I enjoyed thoroughly. Um, the first quarter, though, was just marked by offense on both sides. I know I sort of alluded to that a second ago, but it was a 42-38 to 38 score at the end of the first quarter. Atlanta shot 65% from the floor, 5 of 10 from three, and 7 of 8 from the free throw line in the first quarter. Only one turnover for the team in the first, and 10 assists. Every single starter... All five of them had six points or more, and uh, that was uh, pretty darn impressive offensively for the Hawks. And in fact, that sort of transitions into the second quarter, where the Hawks had a had a fourteen to three run across the end of the first quarter and the beginning of the second to go take their largest lead to that point in time at fifty to forty one. And that was with part of that run came came with the second unit on the floor, which was interesting considering it's kind of an ugly unit in some ways on paper with Jalen Adams, Kent Bazemore. Bembry Anderson and Isaac Humphreys was the was the five that they sort of uh, pushed the lead out a little bit on that. That was very nice to see considering the um, perceived weakness of that group. And there was actually a huge block shot from Justin Anderson that I wanted to make note of uh, on Ben Simmons that he let him know quite a bit about that. Anderson had some uh, jawing to do with the Philadelphia bench. Of course, he was there previously and the, and the Sixers traded him away. So maybe some extra juice from Anderson in this game. I thought he played well. We'll come back to that in a minute. After the Hawks went, went up by nine, though, Philly closed the gap almost immediately with an 8-0 run of their own, and it was kind of back and forth, back and forth in the second quarter. Philly was dominating the offensive glass in the first half, and really the entire game, they did a great job on the offensive glass in general, rebounding, sorry, offensive rebounding 44% of their misses. They had 26 offensive rebounds in the game, but it was even more pronounced early on when they were rebounding 58% of their own misses for about the first quarter and a half. That is a crazy rate, and really one of the biggest reasons why Philly was able to stay in this game all the way to the end was they were just able to dominate the offensive glass. Jonah Bolton had eight offensive rebounds by himself. Four for Simmons, four for Harris, three for Butler, two for Boban, two for, for Amir Johnson, just crashing hard and making the Hawks pay um, when they were able to do that. That was kind of a big um, thing to monitor throughout this game. The one offensive um, drought for the Hawks in this game was actually the end, near the end of the second quarter, a almost four-minute drought from the 638 mark to the 246 mark without, without the Hawks scoring at all. During that stretch, there was an 11-0 run by Philly, sort of an extended run there to go up by seven points. The Hawks did close very strongly, though, in the last three minutes with a 14-3 run. Trey Young um, was, the engine, was the engine of that. He made a mid-ranger and then a deep three from the left wing to sort of put a cap on things. And actually, to that point, Trey's jump shot had been sort of uh, forsaking him a little bit. Over the last three or four games, in fact, he was three of his last 25 from three before he actually knocked that one down at the end of the first half. Other than that, it was a really nice night for Trey Young and offensively. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But he scored seven points in the last 99 seconds of the first half to set the tone for the rest of the way. And the Hawks' offense was very, very good before halftime and after halftime, but especially before, I would say. Uh, Young had 15.6 assists before halftime, 12 for Kevin Herter, 10 for Torian Prince, 11 for John Collins. And uh, the Hawks' defense was shaky, but at the same time, they were able to sort of hold off the um, Sixers and take and take a lead into halftime. Um, after the half, the third quarter was a lot of uh, interesting play, but not too much in the way of like haymakers on both sides. There was one early lead from Philly when they went on an 8-2 run to open the third quarter, but from there, it was a lot of back and forth, and actually the court ended up being dead even. Uh, it was probably the least exciting quarter of the entire bunch, but I will say there was one... 
incredibly interesting run where it was uh, basically just Collins and Young back and forth, back and forth. Actually, actually, actually asked Trey Young about this after the game. He sort of had a big smile on his face, kind of remembering that just the back and forth uh, of that where it was um, the same play over and over again, and Young scored, and then he would find Collins for a bucket, and then Young would score again, and then Collins would <laughs> Collins would slip again. The pick and roll was just dominant for the Hawks, and it, a lot of that was Colin, Collins and Young, the of course the most productive pick and roll partnership on this roster and even Lloyd Pierce kind of just said that the Sixers just had no answer for that and I tweeted that after the game and got a lot of reactions to that but Philly just could not stop a pick and roll with uh, Young and Collins in this game and that's shown through especially during that stretch in the third quarter just for some reference point in the first seven and a half minutes of the third quarter Collins had 12 points and Young had seven points and five assists and uh, at that point Trey had 22 and 11 midway through the third quarter so a lot of that offense was uh, very very impressive and then the Hawks managed to I think probably this is might, might have been the, the biggest thing of the entire game in some ways that the Hawks managed to win about an eight minute stretch without Collins and Young on the floor at the end of the third and beginning of the fourth quarter um, I made I made note of that the Hawks were up by five when they left the game together and they came back in they were up by six and that was a huge swing for the Hawks to hold on to that lead and actually build on it a little bit without their best two players on the court offensively. The Hawks actually went up, went up by 13 points with about five and a half minutes to go after a big run that was capped by Justin Anderson three. And that looked like it might be uh, lights out for the uh, Sixers, for the Sixers, especially when Jonah Bolden missed two free throws in a row to provide Chick-fil-A to the uh, crowd in Atlanta. They were very, very loud and excited about that. But they got they got it back to eight with about three and a half minutes to go after some free throws by Tobias Harris. And then Philly started trapping defensively and actually helped them get some stops down the stretch. They were trapping Trey. Probably waited too long to do that, frankly, considering he actually was pretty effective in the late stages of this contest. But then um, Redick hit a three, and the Hawks led by only six points with about 222 to go. Fast forward a little bit here without going too much in the play-by-play. There was a three from Young that I thought was the dagger, honestly, to go by eight points with about a minute and a half to go. But from there, um, you know, Philly kind of just kept coming back. They wouldn't go, they wouldn't go away. And then with 32, 32.5 seconds to go, Trey Young was called for a flagrant one foul on a loose ball against Jimmy Butler. Um, I guess letter of the law-wise, you could probably talk me into it being, being a technical foul. It just felt, it, I mean, sorry, a flagrant foul. It just felt wrong in the moment. Like it felt like, like, it, like it was going to swing the game. And that was just the wrong result in a lot of ways. Fortunately, it was a ball-don't-lie situation in a big way because Butler went to the line and missed both free throws. Um, if he had made them both, you know, the Sixers were down by five and they got two free throws and the ball. So if he makes them both, suddenly it's a one-possession game and Philly has the ball. Butler missing both free throws was huge because then Philly had to sort of scramble a little bit down by five. They missed three and that and that basically ended the game um, where it stood with the uh, the Hawks holding on for the eight-point victory. I, I, it would definitely be important to point out that um, along the way, the Sixers missed 16 free throws in this contest and that ended up being pivotal there were a couple of misses late but 22 of 38 for the line from philly and in a game that was a you know close closely uh, fought down the stretch missing all the free throws was certainly uh, a swing thing in this game including three misses from jj reddick which is bizarre because he's an awesome free throw shooter in a lot of ways ben simmons himself was three of eight and bolden was three of six as well so just something to keep in mind here but uh, in the end, the offense was just fantastic for the Hawks throughout this game. A 128 offensive rating in, um, from wire to wire, 130 points in a relatively slow-paced game by Hawks standards. Um, 50, 52% from the floor, 
Only 33% from three, actually. The Hawks probably could have shot it a little bit better than they actually did. A bunch of wide open misses, especially in the second half. But they got to the line 28 times, made 22 of them. 29 assists, only 11 turnovers. And Atlanta's defense, offense was really good throughout the game. I mentioned before, the defense was not particularly great. But they did have some answers for, for Ben Simmons, which, which was helpful along the way. And Philly's bench was kind of an adventure, which allowed the Hawks to, uh, you know, hold serve here. I will say, you know, I have to say, just, say this at least at some point on the podcast, Philly's defense was really bad in this contest. It wasn't just because the Hawks were carving them up and you know again credit to the Hawks offense for playing very well playing very very well in this game but Philly was not good defensively throughout this contest um, again you know sometimes you just take advantage of that and the Hawks did that and sort of went back to the wheel over and over again just kind of doing what they what they should be doing and, and were executing effectively offensively but Philly's offense sorry Philly's defense was a mess and that is worth pointing out one more time. We will come back in a moment to talk more about the individual players in this contest, but I do want to take a moment to tell you about the good folks at Wise Cameras because Wise is the indoor camera that does it all. Wise is packed with premium features that allow you to see everything from anywhere for only $20. It has 1080p full HD, so images are clear that you'll never miss a thing. And on top of that, Wise cameras have night vision and two-way audio with a mission to make amazing smart home products accessible to absolutely everyone. You can check on your home every... Anytime you want to with Wise, Wise's app live stream, and the stream has 8x digital zoom. Wise is also a fantastic value. It's only $20 per camera because of the price, and uh, nothing is too small for the task uh, for the Wise camera because of the small price that you could just choose anything that you want to monitor, and uh, you take advantage of the free rolling 14-day cloud storage with no subscription whatsoever, and that is a fantastic deal for everyone. So, it works with your mobile phone anywhere, and there's a dedicated URL just for us. So go to wyze.com slash locked to guarantee the absolute lowest price. One more time, take advantage of the 14-day free rolling cloud storage with no subscription whatsoever and use our dedicated URL to purchase at wyze.com slash locked. Okay, we're back talking about the individual players in this contest, and we'll start off the bench as we usually do on the podcast a couple of highlights for uh, reserves in this contest. One guy to mention will be DeAndre Bembry. 17 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists, and a steal for DeAndre. He was 6 of 9 from the floor, 1 of 3 from 3, 4 of 5 from the free throw line. Got some uh, love from Lloyd Pierce after the game, and justifiably so. He was the best bench player in, the, in this game for the Hawks. Um, in the fourth quarter, he wasn't so good. I, there were some ugly moments down the stretch where DeAndre kind of um, was a liability in some form or fashion offensively, but for the game, you can't really argue with, with the way that he produced on both both ends of the floor. Bembry was uh, definitely feeling it. Had a very nice stretch that Pierce mentioned by name um, late in the second quarter, and it's one of those things where Bembry was kind of uh, keying the offense at times when the, when the second, unit, second unit was playing together, and I thought he played very well in the aggregate. Um, elsewhere, the other guy who had a great game off the bench was Justin Anderson, um, the guy who I, of course, trumpet regularly, but uh, 10 points, three rebounds, and two block shots, including one highlight one for Anderson. He, he had the best plus minus off the bench, actually the, actually led the team with plus eight in only 16 minutes, three five from, from the floor, two or three from three, two or three from the free throw line as well. Uh, shooting the ball well right now, I mean, that, that's not something that you can really bank on with Anderson, but defensively, he makes highlight plays, and his energy is always great, and I thought he played very well in this contest. Uh, the rest of the bench was not all that effective. I thought Bazemore, Bazemore was okay with four with four points, two rebounds, two assists. Did have four fouls and was plus five in 20 minutes. Just a lot quieter. Got a couple of nice jump shots, mid-rangers, but um, was 0-2 from the floor. Sorry, 0-2 from beyond the arc, I should say, after a big breakout on Tuesday. I thought he was fine, actually. Just didn't play badly at all. Just didn't have too much verb going on offensively. And the other guys 
struggled. Uh, Jalen Adams was not great. I didn't think he was terrible either, but two points, an assist, a steal, two rebounds for Adams, one of four from the floor. He's now, oh, of, uh, I believe, one of 12 in the last two games from the floor. Just didn't have too much going on offensively. And then the duo of Deontay Davis and Isaac Humphreys. Those guys are not great, I will say. Uh, Humphreys was a struggle in his five minutes of play. There was a reason why he only played that little. They went with Anderson and, and even Prince a little bit for a second. At the four, ahead of Humphreys, that's, that's the right move. And Davis had some nice moments in terms of just using his burst and athleticism at times, but still struggled in a big-picture way. Was scoreless, only two shot attempts. Did have two blocks, which is nice to see. He, he's obviously pretty long and athletic. Had six rebounds as well and two assists, but I thought he uh, it was it was a high and low game for Davis. Some, some nice moments, some ugly moments, and the overall picture was not all that great, I didn't think. Uh, to the starting to the starting five in this game, Alex Lynn was very quiet. Eleven points, three rebounds. Only played fourteen minutes though. For Alex, uh, did did pull um, did pull Ben's, uh, sorry the uh, Philly Philadelphia Bigs away from the rim a little bit. That was nice to see. He made a couple threes. Got in foul trouble early, and that kind of stagnated the rotation just a little bit. And probably probably should have played more in the grand scheme, but I understand why he didn't, given the way that everybody everybody else was playing, and especially John Collins when he was playing some five. But I thought Lynn was pretty good in the limited time that he actually was out there. Uh, Kevin Herter was um, relatively quiet offensively, but still had some nice moments. Was was pretty aggressive at times in the first half, I thought, but at 15 points, five assists, four rebounds, six of 12 from the floor, two of four from three. So a pretty efficient game from Herter. I mentioned this before a little bit. I think um, Jimmy Butler kind of took it to him a little bit in the second half, which was um, you know not to be... Wasn't like wasn't like a shock because Butler is a very physical guy who's ready to kind of go at guys who are in a little not as strong as he is. And I, I believe it was Kevin Chenard asked uh, Lloyd Pierce after the game about the way that Herder handled that, and he credited him credited him a little bit for just the way that he's been able to play through it. But he did admit that Herder is bothered a little bit by size and. Um, just strength in that way. I think Herter, it's no breaking news to anybody that's been watching the Hawks this year that Herter is going to need some more uh, some more bulk and some more strength and some more physicality to his game. That was a good reminder of that, but I thought he actually played pretty well on the whole. Torian Prince returned in this game after a short absence. Didn't shoot it great. was 2 of 9 from the floor, 4 of 12 from 3. I thought, actually thought he played pretty well, though. Defensively had some nice moments, which is not always his strength, but I thought he played pretty well by his standards on the end of the floor. Had 13 points. Three rebounds and two assists, and I, I'm not really worried about Prince's shooting. You know, shot selection is, a, is sometimes a problem for him, but when he's when he's wide open, he missed a few wide open ones in this game that you would think he was going to make more often than not. So no worries in the way that he played. And then of course the big two, John Collins, 25 points, eight rebounds and assists, a steal and two block shots, 10 of 18 from the floor, one of three from three, four or five from the free throw line. I was the one that asked Lloyd Pierce about um, Collins's recent uptick in his blocks per game because that's something that's been very clear since the All-Star break or so, and even maybe a little bit after that, is that Collins is blocking a lot more shots. It was a problem earlier in the year when he was just not generating steals or blocks at all, and now he's been blocking shots at a pretty impressive rate um, in the last couple of games here. Um, this one, there was at least one highlight one, and actually there probably should have been another one because he was called for a foul that probably wasn't a foul on another big block, so I thought... It's pretty noticeable that Collins is playing with more force defensively, but Pierce backed that up, saying that the staff was really encouraging him to play with more physicality, more aggressiveness defensively. Um, I believe I believe he said that he's quote too athletic not to end quote, which is kind of right. Um, in some ways, you know, John doesn't have perfect tools in the way that he's not the longest guy in the world for a center type of player, but at the same time, he's a great athlete. He's very explosive, and he's been showing that off more and more. They, I think they probably just want him to not, you know, I think even Pierce said this in his response to my question, but they want um, Collins to, to not worry about 
fouling. Part of the problem with him was that he had always had this huge foul rate in college, and even early in his NBA career, maybe he was trying to pedal off a little bit too much. Now he's trying to find that balance, but he's been more aggressive lately. That has come with, with more fouls to some degree, but the block shots are uh, probably more encouraging. I think he's, it's been very good to see him playing better and more effectively on the defensive end of the floor. Of course, offensively, he was a great play finisher in this contest. Actually took a couple of mid-range jumpers off the dribble in the first half that I didn't love because they're just not a good shot for him to be shooting off the dribble like a 15-footer contested off the dribble. is not a great shot for John. But other than that, I thought he played very, very well on both ends of the floor. And then finally, Trey Young. The numbers speak for themselves in a lot of ways here, but 33 points, 12 assists, 7 rebounds for Trey. He was 12 of 18 from the floor, 2 of 6 from 3, 7 of 7 from the free throw line. Um, very efficient, very effective. Missed his first two threes, was 2 of 4 after that. It's a sort of breakout of his you know, little, little mini slump as a shooter, but he was getting to the rim at will. His passing uh, asked Trey a little bit after the game about the pick and roll stuff, and he sort of acknowledged that it was uh, they kind of ran the same plate over and over again with him, him and Collins, and it was just very effective. He was carving them up. I tweeted that during the time, but Philly just had no answer for Trey Young and John Collins off the dribble and in the pick and roll. And, you know, Trey's making good decisions. He's, he's taking care of the ball in a lot of ways. Uh, Kevin Schnard tweeted this out a little bit earlier on the in the night on Wednesday, but uh, I believe the number right now is 53, to, 53 assists to seven turnovers in the last five games for Trey Young. That is a ridiculous ratio. And obviously his passing, something I've, something I've been uh, trumpeting for a long, long time here. But the fact that he's now taking care of the ball is very, very impressive. And, um, you know, the combination of that and his scoring, he's doing a great job in a lot of ways. I, you know, I talked uh, to him a little bit after the game as well about his defense and the way that he's asked to uh, guard J.J. Redick. He did acknowledge that it's definitely a different assignment for him um, to have to cover Redick. You know, Philly's construction of their lineup with Ben Simmons playing point guards that Trey has kind of has nowhere to hide. And he did say it was a tougher job. Because it just never stops trying to chase around JJ Redick, and defensively there were some moments where he was not great in this game, but still carrying his offensive workload the way that he is and the way that he is playing um, is pretty darn impressive. Also, Chris Kirchner of the Athletic asked him after the game about um, Ben Simmons, who have, who I guess famously put out put a put a video out there, or at least was uh, prompted on video by a reporter in Philadelphia about rookie of the year he kind of de- he kind of decisively said Luca um so uh, he was at- young was asked about that after the game by, by Chris Kirchner and uh, he actually uh, sort of concluded that by saying maybe, maybe Simmons feels differently now I-, I had that thought coming into the press conference at the end of the game just maybe uh, that was a little bit extra from Trey young he didn't say that it was anything extra from him in the uh, in that situation but def- definitely felt like he was uh, pretty happy with the way that he played in this game and it was pretty clear that he played a great game from uh, start to finish really because he really started well and ended well and the Hawks or better for it. So at the end of the day here, a 131-22 victory for the Hawks at the hands of the Sixers. And that's a very impressive win. You know, in some ways, there was a little bit of fear that the Hawks didn't need to win this game. But I mean, the last couple of wins by Dallas have made that fear a little bit lesser. I will say it would have been helpful if the Mavericks won on Wednesday for the Hawks, but they actually had a shot in the air to win it from Jalen Brunson at the buzzer that did not go in. It was pretty open as well. I, I wasn't watching that game live, but I saw the replay. It was a wide open three, down by two. If that, if that shot goes in, the Hawks all but clinch um, the number five spot in the lottery. It, it, it didn't fall, and now you know the Hawks do have a couple games now, and it, you know I guess the only scenario in which the Hawks have to really worry is if they win out. They do have three games remaining Friday, Against the Orlando Magic on the road, that team's going to be trying. So no, no really, no huge worries there. I think Orlando will be favored in that game pretty solidly. And then at Milwaukee on Sunday, of course, Milwaukee. The only question is whether they play their guys or not, because uh, when they came to Atlanta this this Sunday, it was kind of an ugly slugfest. And then the season finale will be a week from tonight, Wednesday, at home against Indiana, and that'll be a little a little bit interesting to follow as well, considering they they might have their seed locked up at that point in time. So without going too deep into that. 
Three more games to go. If the Hawks win out, they could have some uh, issues with their draft status. But if not, if they lose any, any of those three games, they should be just fine and locked in the number five spot. So no big worries at this point. And, if the, and I will definitely keep that updated on my Twitter feed as we get going here. So um, no, uh, no more podcasts between now and um, the weekend because of the fact that I'm actually going to be traveling. I'm going to Minneapolis to cover the Final Four, so I will have some uh, some draft-related thoughts. A couple of guys that might be in the Hawks range will be involved there, especially highlighted by Jarrett Culver um, from Texas Tech. So I'm hopefully hoping to catch up with him actually a little bit directly, but I'll be on the scene for the Final Four covering that for Dime. So anything that you are interested in from college basketball, I'll probably be tweeting about that over the weekend, but I will have my eye on, on the Hawks as well, that, and I will have a, re- a recap podcast um after the games on Friday and Sunday, so no worries there. I'll probably be coming from my hotel room in, in, in Minneapolis, so just to look behind the curtain just a little bit. Probably no podcast immediately after the game on Friday, but I will wrap the weekend's games on from Friday and Sunday on Sunday night in Minneapolis, so please stay tuned for all of that. Please subscribe to this podcast, and if nothing else, I'll be back later on in the weekend. <laughs>